Ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday night, which means, of course, we've got nothing but rants, what we like to call MBR around here, coming to you hot and live. And it's a jam-packed show, as per usual, on a Monday night. I like to build these takes up, build these topics up throughout the week. That's a load of crap. I pretty much plan these shows out as the day goes through Monday. Um, But anyways, today was a great day to not have anything planned because pretty much everything we're going to talk about today happened today. Of course, we're going to talk about the Bear Alexander news, what it means, what his decommitment from that 2022 class means for the University of Georgia moving forward. Um, We'll talk about this idea of committable offers. Also, another topic that got brought to the forefront, I would presume, with today's news um, of a young man, you know, committing and then deleting a, a commitment tweet to the University of Georgia. We'll talk about that. I'll give you my stance on this idea of committable offers. I'm sure if you've been here long enough, you know kind of where I stand on this. But we're really going to hammer it home tonight uh, here on NBR. I'll tell you, you know, how I don't really believe there's, you know, excuses for the University of Georgia in this 2021 season coming up. Um, everything's lining up for what it should line up for and what you've been waiting for and hoping for um, since 1980. So we'll talk about that. We'll run through exactly why. Um, it is that I think there are no excuses, and you probably should as well. Your expectations should be as high as ever, if not higher than ever before. And maybe, just maybe, we'll get a very special guest, a guy that you know is very uh, important to this broadcast and what we do here, uh, a very staunch member of our community over there on Patreon. But before we get started tonight, I do have to ask you, if you're here watching this right now, hit that thumbs up over on YouTube. If you found us late, hit it up, hit that thumbs up anyway. Subscribe to the channel. Put us on alert so you never miss what's going on here over on the channel. It's always filled up with great content. I hope it's great content that you enjoy. I definitely enjoy doing it. So I hope you reciprocate that with a little bit of love for us. And if you're here also and you're not a member of our Patreon service, we're climbing up there, man. We we are absolutely jumping up uh, when it comes to what we've got going on on Patreon. The subs are rolling in left and right, day in and day out. So do not miss out. I think we have four or five nugs today, guys, over on Patreon. So it's been loaded, and it's going to continue to be loaded as we move throughout the rest of this summer and, of course, into the season. So if you're one of those people that wants to get in on inside information, if you want additional film studies, if you want a, a great and I mean great, community of individuals and just a great family environment and really a family environment in the sense that everybody jones on everybody and kind of ribs each other. If that's what you're interested in, join us over there on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. The link is in the bio. As always, you know, follow me on Twitter, all that nonsense, all, the, all that nonsense we don't really ask you for. Um, you probably found me on Twitter anyways. It's probably why you're here. Um, but, you know, we got a great show for you tonight and we will start um, with the Bear Alexander news. And of course, unless your name is Patrick Starr, you've probably already heard about this, right? Bear Alexander, the defensive tackle out of Texas, uh, committed to Georgia back in February, I believe, right on the early national or uh, traditional national signing day. So has been a member of this Georgia class for just under four months at this point, decommitted from the University of Georgia as of today, right around noon. So, um, you know, kind of Didn't really come out of nowhere, and I'll tell you why, uh, at least for me. We were prepared for it. I'm not going to say – we knew it was eventually a possibility that was going to happen, and I'll tell you why. If you go back and you watch any of my – you know, whether it be film studies, content, uh, you know, NBR sessions, whatever it is, if you have ran across any of my content in which I was talking about Bear Alexander, 
you would have heard me say one thing repeatedly, and I don't always give out nugs, especially about things like this in terms of a sensitive topic, in terms of a decommitment, right? If I know something's coming about that kind of thing, I don't, I don't even put it on Patreon. I don't put nugs out. But what I do, and I'm probably giving myself away, so you guys are really going to look into it from now on. Um, but what I do is I kind of sneak subtle hints in there that a lot of people, Easter eggs, if you will, as Coach Egg donates a super sub. Appreciate you, brother. We'll grab that here in a second. Um, but if you pay attention, there's some Easter eggs in everything that I said about Bear Alexander for the last four months, and this is what it was. Every single time we talked about Bear Alexander, I said one of the one of two things. Quote, if he makes it to signing day, if he's a member of this class on signing day, right? There was never, and I mean never, a sense of comfortability about Bear Alexander from this Georgia staff, okay? It was always, we're great to have him. Now we've got to continue to work to keep him. They knew this was always going to be a possibility. They knew it was something that he was maybe going to flirt with, especially with the idea of, you know, traditional visits coming back to the world of college football recruiting. So this was not breaking news to anybody in that Georgia facility. And quite honestly, it was not breaking news to me. And I know that's nice and easy to sit here and say, oh, well, he's, he's I told you so guy, even though he never told you. Um, but I kind of did. There were always, you know, the if, that keyword if, if he makes it, to this final class. And, and guys, this wasn't a prospect that was, you know, processed or Georgia wasn't making room for anybody new or someone bigger. That's not the case. This was legitimately a kid and the people around him that would like to go through this new recruitment process because it is brand new. Now that visits are back in college football, this is a brand new environment for a lot of these kids. And I don't think he's going to be the last. I told Patreon folks that today, um, you know, they wanted to go through this recruitment process as a true and 100% free agent, okay? It's hard to go on these visits and actually enjoy these visits and receive the attention that maybe you want. Not necessarily attention, but the the uh, pitch, right? The, uh, the encouragement, the you need to play for us for these reasons type of thing from these other coaching staffs if you're committed to another university. So he wouldn't have gotten the love. He wouldn't have gotten the attention, if you will. And again, that's the wrong term, excuse me. <clears throat> attention is the wrong term. He wouldn't have gotten that um, had he still been a Georgia commit. How unprofessional for in the opening rant for me to drink water. I'll tell you, I did that thing again where I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off trying to get the studio set up and I let my coffee get cold. And about five minutes before the show, I was like, dang, I didn't drink my coffee. So I went over there and chugged it and now I got real, real dry throat. Um, hopefully that won't happen anymore. So again, this wasn't a kid that was processed. I hate that term, first of all. We're going to talk about another one that I hate a little bit later. Um, this wasn't one of those cases. This was legitimately a kid that said, thanks, Georgia. I'll let you keep recruiting me, but I want to be a free agent while I go through these things. I want to take these visits with an open mind. And as soon as he makes the uh, decommitment post, I mean, it's officials to Miami. It's officials to USC. He already took an official to Texas A&M. Okay, so that's what's going on here with Bear Alexander. Um, and honestly, I told you, I don't think it's going to be the last, not just at Georgia. You're going to see decommitments all across the board of guys that actually want to enjoy this recruitment process. And honestly, I think they deserve it. After what's all been going on, high school football seasons altered, uh, recruiting trips obviously canceled, the ability to meet face-to-face -face with coaching staffs obviously canceled. All of that you know, in, in, all of that in play now with college football, all of that back to relative normal, 
Let these guys go out and enjoy. And again, I do think Georgia will still be in on this one. But I do have to tell you, and you guys know as well as I do, there's really no precedence um, for and, and consistent precedence, right? Something that happens all the time. There's really no precedence for a guy of this caliber to decommit from one school, feed out the process, go through the process, and then come back to that school. That's typically not what happens in these scenarios, right? Once they're gone, they're kind of gone. Um, so if that's the case, right, if that's the case, if, if Barry Alexander doesn't end up in this 2022 class, which I still think, again, like I told you, I still think there's a chance, but you, now you're really going to have to fight off A&M. You're really going to have to fight off Miami. You're really going to have to fight off Alabama. You're really going to have to fight off USC. You're going to have to fight off these programs, whereas maybe you would have had to fought them off behind closed doors as a commit, but now there's no you know, hidden promise. There's no handshake that he's going to end up at Georgia. Now it's back to square one. You really got to work for this one. So let's say he doesn't, right? What, what, what happens to Georgia? Where do they turn next? Well, they've kind of already had this one, um, you know, in the not necessarily in the bag, but in the back burner and not even in the back burner, in the forefront of their recruitment board. There is a guy at the nose tackle position, because that's what we're talking about here, the nose tackle position that George has been heavily recruiting since, you know, day one of recruiting opening up for this 2022 class, and that's Travis Shaw, uh, who is my number two interior defense lineman on my board, period. Uh, number one is Walter Nolan. Number two is Travis Shaw. There's a dip, and then there's Christian Miller, uh, Bear Alexander, Tyree West, and the rest of the likes, right? Travis Shaw, to me, is the best and I mean best, available prospect for what Georgia runs. Okay, Georgia does run a they, – they claim it to be an odd front defense. I've told you time and time again, I think that's Fugazi. I think they're an even front defense that's dressed up as an odd front and has odd identities to it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. MBR is not the, 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 the time really right now to be breaking down X's and O's. Just know that they label themselves an, an odd front but they're really an even front personnel, okay? But they do play a true zero like all odd fronts do. Now, what that means is you have to have a Jordan Davis-esque type of football player, right? You've got to have a mountain of a man that can hold double most of the, sometimes, all the time, double teams. Most sometimes venturing into that triple team type of aspect of guard, center, guard, all attention on the true zero. And that means you're going to need a massive individual. I don't think Walter Nolan is a nose tackle in college. He is a bona fide three technique. I've compared him to Derek Brown. Okay. I don't think Christian Miller is a nose tackle. Okay. These are guys that are still on Georgia's board that when this happened today, everybody, everybody was like, oh, well, they got to go get Christian Miller. They got to go get Walter Nolan. Yes, they got to get them because they got to get them. But this is a different loss. Those individuals play a different position than what Bear Alexander was slotted to play at the University of Georgia. Travis Shaw is not. Travis Shaw is a true nose tackle. And what does that mean, right? What, what does it mean to be a nose tackle? To me, in Georgia's system, you got to be a very, very selfless individual, right? As a nose tackle at Georgia, despite how dominant Jordan Davis is, if you ever look at a Georgia box score, Jordan Davis's name is not one that pops out, right? It's not one that stands out because he doesn't have 12 tackle for losses on a season. He doesn't have five or six sacks on a season. In fact, the box score makes it seem like he's a, a rather insignificant player if you're just box score scouting. You turn on the tape and it's clear as day who the most important front seven member of that defense is. It's Jordan Davis. Okay, so this is a vital position for Georgia to fill moving forward. 
And I do think they're going to do it. I Everyone considers Travis Shaw a lock to Clemson. I'm here to tell you that Georgia is firmly entrenched in that one. Okay, firmly entrenched in that one for two names or for two words, Jalen Walker. Jalen Walker is a like close, close best friend with Travis Shaw, the Georgia commit, the linebacker commit out of out of the Carolinas up there. Those two are close, okay? Those two are very, very close. How close? Check it out on Patreon. We've already got you up there. We've told you a story um, about a, a two or three days before Jalen Walker committed as to why I thought he was going to commit to Georgia and what made me believe he was going to commit to Georgia. Travis Shaw involved in that nug over there on Patreon. So, I do think Georgia's entrenched in the Travis Shaw discussion and in the Travis Shaw recruitment, and perhaps they land them. And if they do, guys, I'm here to tell you that as we got a load of donations coming in, I appreciate you guys. I'm here to tell you guys that I do. I firmly believe Travis Shaw's the better football player. I, I That's my personal evaluation. I don't know about anybody else. I don't know about all the other services. My personal evaluation is that Travis Shaw is a significantly better football player than Bear Alexander. So, there's bigger fish out there to go try to reel in, and I think Georgia's going to at least have a great shot at doing so. Let's get to some of these donations before we get into our next topic. We got Damn Good Dogcast. That's my boy Rob Reynolds coming in here with a $10 donation. Guys, these donations, these super subs, this is not my profit. These are free uh, OG subscriptions over there on Patreon. So we've already got two of them rolling in, and we had a $5 donation earlier. So we're up to two and a half free subs. If you're one of these people that have wanted to try out the Patreon service and maybe money's a little tight because money's a little tight nowadays. If you're one of those people and you want to be involved in this family, in this community that we got going on over there, just hit me up. Okay. Find my email address. It's linked to this YouTube account. Find me on Twitter. My DMs are always open. So um, maybe if you're, if you're bold enough, just comment on YouTube. I don't care. I will get in touch with you. We will take care of it. Okay. So if you're one of these people, I've got two and a half donations thanks to rob and my boy colby smith in here and our other five dollar donation from coach egg who is in there talking you know relatively poorly about kids and i'm sorry i understand your frustration we're not going to uh you know downplay the kid or downgrade the kid here so i do have those please let me know if that's one of you guys if y'all want to get in here um justin you do not get a free month um sorry you already got one not that you already have one you already have a subscription you got to pay that hard on money, brother. These are for newcomers, right? We're trying to get them hooked on the, uh, you know, the intoxicating drug that is the Patreon service. So we do have those two free subs. Feel free to hit me up for those. We will get it taken care of. All right. So we talked about where they turn next. We talked about all that good stuff. Now that we're talking about recruiting, we're going to stick on recruiting and we're going to talk about what happened today. Okay. In case you didn't know, um, just because you receive a scholarship offer, from let's say Georgia just because you receive a scholarship offer from Georgia that does not mean it is what we call a quote-unquote committable offer okay so why are we talking about this um Jamarian Burt a, a kid out of Florida um committed to Georgia today via a tweet and for all of about 45 minutes he was a member of the 2022 class for the University of Georgia um but you know that subsequent tweet and the article that was released by some of my competitors and some of my colleagues, they were deleted. Okay. The, the commitment announcement deleted, uh, the, the articles, subsequent articles deleted, um, all that good stuff. Right. So how does this happen? How does a kid receive an offer commit, then have to delete his tweet? 
Okay, I, I didn't speak to Mr. Bird about this. I'm just telling you what I know about the game of recruiting. So I know this is foreign to some people watching this right now. And if you're one of those people that know the difference between a committable offer and a non-committable offer, just humor me for a second while I initiate the uninitiated in this business that is college football recruiting. Okay, it's nice and simple. Bert goes to Georgia today, works out, and I mean kills it. Absolutely flashes in front of that entire Georgia coaching staff. He then gets an offer from Kirby Smart and Jamil Adai. He then, like the uninitiated in the world of college football recruiting, assumed that he could take them up on, on that offer right then and there. Goes off, tweets, all that good stuff. Okay, couple of things here. I just want to be a fly on the wall for the for the conversation. Okay, the conversation between whoever had to call him and say, "Hey, now, Chief. Okay, well, let's just hold off. Okay, let's let's delete that. Let's let's take care of that because I'm assuming that conversation was had. Okay, whether it was whoever whoever made that phone call, I feel bad for the kid, a, but I kind of feel bad for the coach or personnel department or recruiting ass. Whoever it was that had to make that phone call, that's a tough one. I mean, honestly, that's a real, real tough one. Um, but as typical, I find myself on the side of the athlete here. I mean, that's that's just me. It's my MO. I am the film guy, but it really should say the player's representative up there every once in a while when I get on these topics. Um, because I do feel for players in this situation because, you know, Bert, Mr. Burt probably doesn't know how this thing works, right? He probably hadn't had this conversation with anybody, anything like that. Man, you guys are rolling those donations in right now. I appreciate y'all. We'll get to all of them here in just a second. Um, but A, the phone conversation is awful. B, um, I, I've always found myself on the side of the athlete here because here's the deal. If I came to you and I said, hey, look, you know, I, I'm going to extend you a job offer, right? I'm going to extend you a job offer. You say, let's do it. You take me up on that offer. And then I immediately turn around and be like, all right, now, well, you see, so here's the deal, man. I only get to take 25 employees per class. And, you know, that number's kind of iffy too. Some years we take 23, some years we take 28 if we're Alabama Corporation. So, you know, I really only have 25 of these job opportunities open. And I know I offered you one of those jobs, but, you know, I kind of offered 206 other people that job offer. And you're like number 207 on the board right now. So, I can't really let you. I can't really let you take me up on this offer until we figure out what's happening with one through 206. Okay. So once that happens, maybe, maybe just maybe we'll let you take me up on that job offer. Okay. That's to me, that's kind of shady, right? And I understand it's business, it's the way of college football. Um, but you know, I don't know if there's any way to clean this up, right? Any way to clean up this idea of a committable offer, green light, red light, yellow light, all that nonsense. Um, but I do have a theory, right? Because the University of Georgia can walk into anybody, and I mean any prospect in America that they really want to recruit, they can walk up to that kid and get in, in the midst of that recruitment process. I promise you, I absolutely promise you that Georgia, no matter the player, can walk up and say, hey, can we talk to you? Can we extend you an offer? Can we keep recruiting you? Maybe get in on the mix later. Can you put us in your top 10? Will we be in your top 10? Will we be in your top five? It's a resounding yes for 99.9% .9 of college football. That is the case for the University of Georgia. Yet, for the last five cycles, 
up to this one, right? 17 to 22. My my what I consider Kirby's classes, right? 2016 does not count. 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, and now 22. Those five classes. Do you know how many scholarship offers on average that the University of Georgia is handing out every year? It's north of 225. North of 225, which means roughly one out of every almost 10, one out of every 10 kids that get offered from the University of Georgia actually have what we deem a committable offer. Okay, and that's Georgia. Over the last three years during the Jeremy Pruitt area at Tennessee, they were averaging north of 430, 430 scholarship offers. They offered kids, and I, I did it for just an experiment. They offered a ki- kids under Jeremy Pruitt that not only just didn't go to an SEC school, they offered kids that didn't end up at an ACC school. They didn't end up at an HBCU. They didn't end up at a Division II school. They're sitting at home. They're sitting at home. Matter of fact, they probably are wearing frat cleats, a button down, whatever you kids wear nowadays, vineyard vine shirt and, and uh, you know, Ray-Bans and got that nice quaff going on with their hair, drinking Michelob Ultras at 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday on game days. That's probably what they're doing right now. Okay, so if Georgia, again, is offering north of 225 kids per class, Tennessee's out here offering 430. Don't you think it's just a little bit rampant here? Don't you think it's just a little bit rampant in terms of these offers going out? I think it is, personally. So um, how do you go about it? I think there needs to be some type of limit. I'm going to be honest with you. I think it needs to be, whether it's 150, whether it's 100, whatever it is, I think they need to figure that out um, first and then, you know, move on from there. So, um, Thomas apparently have mic issues. I've never heard complaints about a mic. I'm sorry if that's the case. Um, we turn this little gain up right here. Maybe that that's probably gonna make me redline. Um, but anyways, uh, you guys get it. I, I think there needs to be something done with these idea of committable offers. And I'm not saying that, Every offer should mean green light. I, that's not the case, right? You've got to you've got to stack it out. You've got to make sure you have subsequent room for guys that are you know higher level prospects that um, higher level prospects that maybe are waiting till the end of their recruitment to actually narrow it down and commit that kind of stuff. I understand that's the case, but when you've got elite programs, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State out here offering north of two hundred, literally the only elite program that recruits, in my opinion, the correct way is Clemson. And I know y'all don't want to hear that, but Clemson does these things the right way in terms of the way they go about offering kids. That's my opinion. So um, maybe everyone needs to go towards that model, um, but it can be a little bit stuck up. Uh, but I, I don't think, you know, even the offer today to Burt, right? Georgia's got kids that, you know, I, we talked about this last week. Georgia's got defensive backs because that's what they offered him as. Georgia's got defensive backs like, Jake Pope, Traquan Fagans, Marcus Allen, um, the other kid from IMG, not named Kamari Wilson and Keon Saab. They got those guys, those four or five guys fighting for one spot, one spot, basically. And they're going to have to pick which one of those guys they want to bring in on this class, in my opinion, because the rest of it's going to be loaded up. So why? why? Why do you need to offer that kid? No offense, like the kid, great football player. Guarantee it. He's going to go play college football somewhere. Why did Georgia need to offer him today? They've got so many other people on that board that they have to go through before Burt's name even gets called. So why? Why even extend the offer? 
That's that's my opinion. That's just the way it goes. Um, so I, that's one that you know kind of ticks me off. And another one that ticks me off is lazy comps, man. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about player comparisons, something that I thoroughly enjoy doing. And quite honestly, I think I'm great at. I, I, I really do. I think I'm really, really good at player comps. Um, and I work extremely hard on evaluating players from from the high school level on up until the professional level. Um, and, and player comparisons, I'm gonna be honest with you, they're never truly perfect because you know, just two separate individuals. They're always gonna be a slightly different, but you can at least give a you know concerted effort to these things um, and not do these lazy takes and lazy comps that I've seen as of late. Um, so let's call them out. We're gonna call, we're gonna call some of you guys out, not by name, but by your take. So if you're in these camps of these takes. Go off somewhere because you ain't going to like what I'm going to have to say to you right now. Um, number one, I tweeted about this one yesterday before I did my film breakdown of them for the Patreon folks over there on patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. Um, yeah, I did, Timothy. Yeah, I did compare JT Daniels to Aaron Rodgers in aspects. That's what happens when you – sorry for the audience. Timmy, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not cracking on you right here, but what you just did, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven – you just condensed an hour and five minute film breakdown into seven words. See what I'm saying? That's not that's not what I did. I, I said there was aspects of his game. So yeah, I did. I worked hard on that one. Okay, here we go. Um, but my number one, number one, I got three of these. Well, two in a generalization that I see all the time that I'm kind of tired of. Um, this whole idea of uh, Branson Robinson's the next Nick Chubb. I see it all over my timeline. Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb. That's who Branson Robinson is. Okay, so let's just let's just break down the tail of the tape here. Okay, Nick Chubb, 5'11", 227. That's what he's listed as of now. Um, he was about 220 pounds coming out of high school, 215, 220, okay? Branson Robinson, about 5'9", about 5'9", 220. So much shorter, much compact, much more compact. But I will say the physical comparison just off height and weight it's halfway decent, okay? But again, they're still built slightly different, and they carry this weight slightly different, okay? So the physical comparison, albeit decent, not really not really on, right? Not really on par. So how about the play style? If the physical comp's not there, Brooks, the, the play style must be there. I see it all over my timeline. They must be identical when they're running the ball. Wrong. Chubb's a one cut back. Watch him. He sticks his foot in the ground once, gets north and south, Nine times out of ten identifies the exact correct hole he's supposed to hit and just sticks his foot in the gas and goes. He is not known for make-you-miss make ability, okay? He's not, he's not even known for his cutting ability, okay? Chubb in high school was a 10-6 100-meter runner. He was running in 100-meter finals against guys like Miko Hardman, okay? Guys that can absolutely burn. I believe the state record's 10-3. Nick Chubb was running 10-6. In high school, guys, in high school, as a massive, massive individual, you guys have all seen the picture. It went viral when he was in high school. Okay, so this is a very linear running back. This is a guy that consistently year in and year out is in the top one, two or three in NFL speed. Right. This is a guy that gets up to 22 almost miles per hour in full pads on Sundays. He runs away from NFL defenders. Let's talk about Branson, okay? The guy that everybody's comparing him to. Branson Robinson's the complete opposite of a one-cut back. Branson Robinson is what I would classify as a multi-cut back, 
If you've ever watched his tape, he has elite make you miss ability. He is shifty, man. He's a water bug back there. He turns minus twos into plus 20s consistently on the high school level. Okay, so this isn't a one cut back. This isn't a, a straight line linear speed athlete. It's not. Branson Robinson's an 11 400 meter runner in high school. It's not even close. The, phys- the, the physical comparison, albeit, may be close. The rest of it, it's not. So what does the comparison boil down to? That he can lift some heavy weights? That he's a, a, an Olympic lifter? That he can squat a brick house? Okay, is that what the comparison lies in? Because I'm here to tell you that, you know, I don't know, spoiler alert, a lot of football players enjoy lifting weights. What are we doing? What are we doing with that comp? I don't like it. So do your work. Do your research. Don't just do the easy the easy takes, Captain Easy Stance. Grind the tape. What does the tape tell you? Maurice Jones-Drew, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's what the tape tells you. The tape tells you make you miss. The tape tells you open field cutting ability. The tape also tells you 4.65 runner, 4.6-ish runner, elite, elite football player, not a burner, not a track athlete, not. Okay, so what are we doing there? We're just making lazy takes. That's what we're doing. My next one, one of my favorites, one of my absolute favorites, and it's one that's popped up a lot recently, especially considering the latest news. Avery Gilbert getting compared to Kyle Pitts, the laziest, laziest take in the history of takes. The laziest take. Okay, let's talk about their physical makeups, right? Like we did with Branson and Nick. Kyle Pitts, 6'6", 240 pounds. Avery Gilbert. 6'5", 240 pounds. Our guest just joined, um, and we'll grab him in a second. Pitts, 6'6", 240. Avery Gilbert, 6'5", 245. Oh, there it is. They're identical, right? Height, weights, almost almost dead even. Avery's got a half, uh, you know, five pounds on him. Pitts has got an inch on him. They're perfect, right? No, wrong. They're not even close. I would go as far as to say that uh, Kyle Pitts is bordering on skinny, right? He's thin. He's wire-framed. Okay, whereas, you know, a Rick is not a Rick is if if there's a possible to be if it's possible to be compact at six foot five, he's compact. I mean, he is thick. He is a thick, thick dude. Okay, Kyle Pitts, not. So the physical comparisons aren't even there. Well, they got to play the same, right? They got to play the same, right? Wrong, 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 wrong. Kyle Pitts is a route running savant with excellent, excellent high point ability and extremely natural hands. The guy, when the ball is thrown his way, if you listen to it in a vacuum, you would not hear a sound. The ball just, I mean, he just, just natural soft hands, okay? And plays the game with a level of smoothness, right? You know what I mean, where it doesn't look like he's efforting, never really looks like he's sprinting, but he's moving extremely fast, right? A level of smoothness to his game. Gilbert could not be any more different. He is, a, he is an above-average route runner. He is not a, a savant when it comes to route running ability. He's got decent high-point ability, okay, in, you know, in comparison to, to what Pitts has in terms of just ungodly high-point ability. And he's got, I wouldn't say natural hands. But he's got good hands, but he doesn't have these, you know, God-given really, really, really natural hands. But he's extremely elite after the catch, which Pitts is not. Pitts will run away from you. He will not make you miss. He will not run through you. If you get in front of him, you will tackle him. That is not the case with Avery Gilbert. The two could not be any more different. Smooth is the last word that I would use for Avery Gilbert. 
last word I would use for him. What I would use is, is, is explosive. The guy is dynamite. He's a stick of dynamite running around carrying a football. That's what he is. Just mad, loud, ex- just explosions everywhere with the ball in his hands. So that comp, extremely lazy. Get it out. I'm tired of hearing it. Don't bring it to me. If you've got a comp for Avery Gilbert, bring me Vernon Davis, okay? Bring me Vernon Davis, 6'5", 240, 250 pounds, extremely good after the catch, and – for that matter, every once in a while would have a problem, you know, with his natural hands. Didn't have great hands, was just a freak, freak athlete. A once-in-a-generation, once-in-a-lifetime type of athlete and type of specimen. That's what Avery Gilbert is. Stop being lazy with the player comps. And this one, I saved the best for last. This is my generalization, right? Anytime you ever see a white wide receiver, what do you hear? Oh, he's the next, he's the next Wes Welker. Man, he looks a whole lot like Danny Amendola. Man. Could he be George's Hunter Renfro? Could he be George's Hunter Renfro? You know, I'm I'm really tired of that one because honestly, you know, Lad McConkey, right? Lad McConkey, former high school quarterback, played a little high school quarterback at North Murray, okay, and then comes to Georgia, becomes an, a natural wide receiver, right? Playing in the slot. What's everyone say? Oh, he's Wes Welker. Well, he's, he's George's version of Wes Welker. He's the next Julian Edelman, right? He's the next Julian Edelman. Why is Randall Cobb's name not ever mentioned here? You know what I mean? Like, anybody remember Randall Cobb? Randall Cobb, pretty damn good quarterback. Pretty damn good quarterback turned into a pretty daggum good wide receiver on the NFL level. Is he ever compared to a player like Lad McConkey who has the exact physical makeup and understanding and, and, and background as a football player? No, of course not. He's Wes Welker. He's Julian Edelman. He's, you know... You, what you, Danny Amendola? That's what he is. He's not. Yeah, he's Jim Rat. He is. He is not Randall Cobb. He's not. Ever heard of Nate Burleson? Ever heard of Nate Burleson? Elite slot receiver, undersized, gritty, tough, right? Just a, a, a playbook savant, right? Just grinds. Just a grinder. Okay, that was Nate Burleson. Never hear it brought up when a five nine white guy gets drafted. Okay, ever hear of a guy named Kiki QT? That cop's never thrown around. Never, ever, ever. But it's always Julian Edelman and all these guys. It's a comp. It's lazy, and I'm tired of it. Okay, so if you're going to get into the player comparison game, do it like you're supposed to. That's all I'm saying. Just do it like you're supposed to. All right? And speaking of doing it like you're supposed to, we got a guy coming in now, and I'm seeing this sweatshirt right now, and my God Almighty, that thing looks expensive. One of my best friends in the entire world. You would think it's 8.06 a.m. right now. My boy, Jamie Goodman. Jamie, how are we doing today, brother? Fantastic, Brooks. How are you, brother? I can't complain, man. You were, in the, you were in the back of the studio back there listening to my rants. This was something we talked about this morning, right? The idea of lazy comparisons. And I know you specifically do not like this idea of people comparing Nick Chubb to Branson Robinson. Give the folks your take before we talk about our closing segment tonight. I mean, I just think the only comparisons is what they do in the weight room. I mean, both of them can lift every weight in the house. There's no doubt about it. I mean, yeah. you're, you're not going to go in and outlift either one of them. But when you when you put them on the field, they're just completely different players. Um, for me, I think Nick Chubb at this point, at this same point in their careers, was a little more defined as a runner. But mm. we'll see. But not knocking one or the other. It's just... Yeah, it's lazy. It's real lazy to compare the two unless we're talking about a weightlifting competition. 
Yeah, and I mean, the, the two aren't even, like, similar in the sense of, like, uh, you know, attitude or how, how they carry themselves. We were talking about this oh. today. I mean, Nick Chubb is a robot. I mean, he might as well be a robot. Ne- never going to do uh, an interview with the media. Ne- never going to do anything like that. Never going to allow you to do a write-up on him. He's just going to play ball. If you want to write about him playing ball, that's fine. But he's not going to be out here commenting on it. And he's dang sure not going to be making jokes with his teammates or celebrating after touchdowns or doing anything like a normal human being does because he's not – a normal human being. So I don't really get that one. But Jamie, I brought you on because unlike me, I mean, you're, you're a bit of a historian, you would say, in Georgia football. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I followed for a while. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a little bit humble on your end. But yeah, for those who don't know, Jamie Goodman is co-host with his buddy Derek on the longest standing podcast in the Georgia space, The Dog Cast. And I'm surprised he doesn't have something on right now, but he's repping the G instead. But Jamie, we were talking a little bit about this today. And honestly, with in my opinion, I'll give you my laydown as to why I think this is the case. But when you look at the roster construction and how Kirby Smart's gone about filling the necessary holes and filling the necessary needs on this roster this offseason, whether it be George Pickens going down, filling that out with a Rick Gilbert, having six defensive backs leave that backfield uh, and bringing in a guy like Tyke Smith. That's an all American caliber football player, bringing in Darion Kendrick, who is an all ACC at the time caliber football player, bringing in these guys and making sure that the necessary holes are filled leading up to this next season. And you combine that with the fact that, I mean, just take a look around. The the world of college football has never really set up for Georgia like this, in my opinion, where Alabama, a, a school that they're perennially competing for for a playoff spot in an SEC championship, brand new quarterback. I mean, granted, Bryce Young's extremely talented, still a true freshman. He's going to go through growing pains, I would imagine. Same thing for DJ Uyunglele up there at Clemson. Ohio State hasn't named a starting quarterback up there yet. So all these perennial powerhouses that you're constantly competing for, for one of those four spots, and then trying to beat in that college football playoff, they're rebuilding at the quarterback position, whereas Georgia has what we consider, and at least my opinion, is set up to have one of the best seasons that Georgia's really ever seen from a passing uh, game standpoint. Combat that with the fact that you kept your uh, coaching staff intact Albeit you lost your cornerbacks coach, but you got a pretty daggum good one in there in Jamila Dye. And I'll be honest, I think it was getting kind of stale in that room anyway. So maybe it's a benefit for Georgia anyways. But your coaching staff remained for the most part intact, including a major, major, um, you know, bonus to that one of Dan Lanning. So all of the chips are in a row right now for the University of Georgia in 2021. To me, there are no excuses. And I said this back in January, honestly, before all this stuff shook out. And we knew there was going to be some holes at defensive back. The only question you have going into 2021 is whether or not you have a left tackle. And honestly, if you get through Clemson, that schedule looks awfully, awfully weak, my brother. I mean, awfully weak. Your your biggest and most important game and probably closest one in, in terms of Vegas sports books is probably going to be at home against Kentucky. Like that. Maybe on the road or, you know, in a neutral side against Florida, the, the schedule don't look that tough. So come towards the end of the season, you got plenty of time to work in a left tackle. To me, there are no real excuses in on paper leading up into this year as to why Georgia shouldn't be not only in contention for a national title, but almost expectating a national title. Is that is that fair to say, Jamie? Yeah, um, I, I bet I've. I, I, 
just to be frank, I've made all the excuses. I've made the <laughs> the roster excuses. I've made the coaching excuses. And, and I've had reason at times. I mean, there's always seemed to be this, this one underlying player or position group or coach or coaching or, or a whole room of coaches, whatever the case may be. Under Kirby, it's usually what? An OC or yeah. a quarterback? Or, or something huge. I mean, a, a position of need that you just don't overcome with someone, say, maybe from the third string. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this year, put it all on paper. Everything's there. From a roster standpoint, um, I, I can't buy into left tackle being an, a reason that we can't, you know, play at at a level that we haven't played before, mm -hmm. at least in modern history. I mean, we won't go back to national championship years, but every, all the ingredients are in the pot. They're all there. And, you know, I don't, I don't think this is a make or break it year like some would say that, you know, if we have seen that thrown a while, and I think that's a poor take, but no, there can be no excuses. If we take the roster we have now and, and finish the season with it. Yeah. There, there's and, and and we don't conclude and finish the season with our goals intact. Then yeah, we can't make excuses. We have to call it what it is and identify and point out you know who's the problem and why did it take place. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's just like any other season. I mean when your season goals are to to exceed excellence, right, or, or achieve excellence. You've got to avoid the injury bug. So, I mean, guys, we're, we're taking that into account, obviously, but we don't know what's going to happen. Um, but uh, barring any type of major injury at a pivotal position, right, whether it be quarterback this coming up year or one of those, you know, elite wide receivers goes down, um, one of your – I mean, even if a back goes down at this point, you're loaded up back there. So, um, I mean, at this point, man, barring some type of injury to JT Daniels, that's – it's time, man. It's it's taken five years. And I'm I'm one of these people that believes like if you bring in a coach like Kirby Smart, despite whatever the, the previous existing um situation was at Georgia, I understand it wasn't like he was stepping into a Vanderbilt situation or even an old miss situation. He stepped into a perennial nine and three program uh, under Mark Rick right. for 15 years, a really good football program, and has just taken it to that next step. But guys, that next step might as well be seven steps combined into one. It is a massive leap from we are a perennial top 10 team to now we are a perennial national title contender. And that's what he's done in a matter of five years. And honestly, it takes that long, in my opinion. And whether it be starting from scratch, rebuilding an entire program from the ground up to serviceable or taking a slightly above average to above average program and making them elite. To me, that takes five years. And I think Georgia fans, and I'm, I'm not speaking for all of them because I'm not one. Jamie, you are. So feel free to agree or disagree here. I think the, the timetable for Kirby Smart really, really got thrown off in 2017. When you walk in year two and you go compete for a national title and you're second and 26 away from it, now suddenly the expectation of, no matter whether or not we have a, 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 you know, a shortcoming at quarterback, no matter whether or not we have a shortcoming at offensive coordinator, you should be fighting for a national title. And that didn't happen since 2017, and it hasn't happened since 2017. So this idea that Kirby Smart is on the hot seat keeps getting regurgitated, right? I think it's right. nonsense. It's absolutely stupid. And here's why. If Josh Brooks were to, for some reason, fire Kirby Smart tomorrow – do you know not not only how many jobs he would be offered, but do you know how many college programs would go as far as to fire 
their current head coach just to get an opportunity at Kirby Smart? It is nonsense to me. Jamie, why, why is that? Why, why is that take coming out? I don't understand that. Fans are weird, man. We're just going to be honest. I mean, <laughs> hey, and I'm one of them. So, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about myself. I'm weird at times, but I'm, I also try to be realistic. And yeah. you look at things for what they are and, and they're tired. It's a lot of unrest, you know, and to be to be to be second and 26. I mean, we were there. I mean, you could taste it. It was in our hands. Yeah, right there. Still haven't went back and watched that game again. Never will. But, I mean, to, to have victory snatched out of your hands, you know, a- after not tasting it for what? Since 1980? Yeah. Um, and then not getting back there. Falling short in the SEC championship later. I mean, <sighs> It's it's an overdue situation with a bunch of fanatical people, and you mm. put those things in a pot and mix it up, and you get the worst takes ever. I mean, Kirby Smart is mm. I I'm trying to think. He's five consecutive losing seasons away from being on the hot seat. Five? I would say like three. You lose three of them jokers like that, and then. Yeah, you're you're in trouble at that point. But I, I'm in agreement with you there. I think it's gotta be like here, here's my thing. And and the the Kirby Smart and Mark Rick comparisons, they're lazy, just like the player comps we were talking about. They're lazy. They're absolutely lazy because you're not really taking into account everything that's happening um year in and year out. Here's here's when I think Kirby Smart gets on this quote unquote hot seat. The day he turns in seven and five football seasons with Matt Stafford as his starting quarterback, then and only then can you sit here and say, do we really have the right guy? I mean, do we really have the right guy? I mean, right. Kirby Smart lost, what, two games last year with Stetson Bennett as a starting quarterback? I mean, it, it, back in the day when that happened, the Joe Cherishinskis of the world, um, the, those seasons were might as well – they were thrown in the garbage. I mean, am I right or am I right? No, those, you're absolutely Those right. seasons were passed off. They were just – it move on to the next one. Um, but, Jamie, I, I would be remiss if I had you on here – and I didn't get your just overall take on, on, on what's been going on lately with recruiting and how you feel. Can you give me some get off my lawnness with the NCAA transfer portal or or because it's been in favor of your beloved dogs? Are you cool with it? I'm obviously cool with anything that been all of the land. So as long as it benefits us, yeah, I'll find a way to support it no matter how I really feel. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've, well, give me your real feelings. Give me your real feelings. About the, the transfer portal? About about what we're what the, the day and age of college football that we're in, right? With with the with the free agency essentially with college football, the ability to move in and out, uh the one time transfer rule, the 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 transfer portal as a whole. Give me your opinion and your stance, if you will, on the state of college football. And if you want to, you can venture into the name, image, and likeness discussion because I, I, I kind of know where you stand on that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, I'm not going to go because I've learned to adapt since probably our early conversations on it. <laughs> um, it's here. It's a, it's a month. It's, I mean, there, there's nothing we can do about it. It's not leaving. Yeah. Where's it going to go? I mean, if anything, it's just going to become more aggressive. So, yeah, I don't love it. I'm an old school guy. I mean, I'm a, you know, you, you signed that that national letter of intent. You're playing ball there. I mean, you're there four years, five years or three if you're fortunate enough to get drafted early. 
but yeah, so it's here. It's benefiting us at the moment. There's going to be a moment where it stings too. I just want everybody to be aware of that. While we celebrate it today, there will be a moment right around the corner. Not anything specific. I'm not hinting at anything, but there's going to be a time where, where it bites back. So yeah, while I love it today, I'm going to hate it tomorrow, but it is what it is. It's here. It's amongst us. What do you do now? As far as name, image, likeness, yeah, um, I'm, I'm not bothered by it because I, I don't think that it's going to produce what some people think it's going to produce. Yeah. Um, here's the thing: there, there's it's going to go have to go through a clearinghouse. So, mm-hmm. random player A is not going to be able to get paid more than an A-list celebrity to rep Brooks Austin's YouTube videos. I mean, you can't pay them to promote your stuff more than someone that is in that space, making bigger dollars are ready. Yeah. So you, where you, you got it, you I got mean, it backwards. I'm, I'm out here trying to run down sponsorships, not go out and make sponsorships. <laughs> hey, we're looking into the future. There will be a day. <laughs> Speak it into existence, Brooke Austin. You're daggum right. Um, but no, I, I think you're right. I don't think it's going to be as, as rampant. Like, I don't, I don't think they're going to be like some people think like Trevor, Trevor Lawrence was the case study, right? Everyone said, oh, he should come back because NIL is coming back and he'll be a multimillionaire. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be rather regulated. How? I mean, how how can they become that? I mean, how many commercials can you do for your local Ford dealership to make that kind of money, especially if it's regulated to what you can make? Per ad, not not capping you as far as, you know, you can only collect 20 percent or 80 percent. But if if Denzel Washington is only getting forty thousand dollars or one hundred thousand dollars, you're not touching that kind of money because you don't have that type of draw. Yeah. So, I mean, there's regulations and should be. I mean, I guess if not, you know what it does. It opens the door to other activities. All right, Jamie, I, do you want to stick around for q and I've never done Q&A with a host so or a co-host. Do you, do you want to do Q&A with me, or do you want me to fire him off by myself? We got connection issues anyways. So, yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. connection yeah, issues. Jamie, sure. I, I appreciate you for being here, brother. Y'all go check out Jamie's stuff. He's at Jamie Goodman on Twitter, J-A-M-E-Y. If you go J-A-M-I-E, you will actually find his wife, who is also named Jamie. So, don't do that. Go follow Jamie Goodman on Twitter. And of course, subscribe to the Dogcast. Again, the number one podcast in the Georgia space. Um, that is not biased, even though I don't listen. No offense, Jamie. <laughs> we'll see you, brother. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. All right. All right, buddy. Yeah, it's uh, truly, honestly, guys, one of the best people in the space. Um, a guy that, you know, when I entered the Georgia space back in March of 2019, Jamie was actually one of the first, I wouldn't say friends, but one of the first, like, cohorts that I had and then he slowly became a friend and honestly we, we start our morning together every single morning at 806 he is a very regimented individual and he calls me every single morning at the same time it's almost like we're boyfriends um but anyways let's fire off some Q&A's um we always end these shows with Q&A we are 51 minutes in uh so we will go up until the top of the hour we got at least 10-15 minutes depending on how frisky I feel um and how you know good your questions are so feel free to drop those in there um, we got a question here from Jay Callaway with a super sub. So we always take those first. Would you be able to sign things like a Nike deal under NIL? Uh, you can make real money doing stuff like that. 
I guys, I, I think that's a possibility. Um, but here's the deal. You're going to be, I, maybe not, because here's the problem. You're going to be subjected to the team that you go to, the sponsorships that are available there, right? So Georgia's a Nike school. If Adidas approached somebody and said, hey, we want to sponsor you, they can't do it because they are forced by contract in their their, their signature on that NIL to wear Nike for the remainder of the time. That, they, the Nike sponsorships pay a lot of money to those schools specifically. Now, what you might be able to get into it, when it terms that name, image, and likeness is, and I think this should be stipulated into these contracts, is that if your school has a Nike contract and your school gets paid, let's say, a million dollars a year, to be a Nike school. It's a lot more than that. Um, if your school gets paid a million dollars a year, you should get a percentage cut spread evenly throughout the team. So th that's my opinion on what should be happening there. I don't think that's going to be the case, though, like I told you, um, because you're, you're getting into a whole nother thing of worms right there. Here we go. Brooks, in your opinion, what separates Shaw from Bear? Um, I, I went into this real, real heavily into our YouTube study. Um I think the ceiling of Shaw is significantly higher, and here's why. To me, when I look at Barry Alexander, I see an 18, 17, 18-year-old 18 kid, right, that is probably, in my opinion, already gone through his physical maturation process, okay? So th there is a possibility that he becomes a better player, you know, throughout college. But in my opinion, he has reached what he is, you know, 80% of what he's going to be. Whereas, so his floor may be higher than Travis Shaw, okay? But his ceiling, Travis Shaw has not even come close to it. He hasn't even scratched it. Uh, and, and to me, they're almost equivalent high school football players. They're equivalently dominant in their respective uh, divisions and in their respective regions, okay? Very similar build. I think uh, Travis carries a lot more weight in his hips and in his butt, um, which to me, I favor that as a prospect or as a scout. I, I don't like to see you carrying a bunch of weight in your upper upper to mid section because that's I mean yeah you do make some plays with your upper body but as a defensive lineman most of what you're doing especially as an interior defensive lineman comes from that hip and that and them hips and that butt Travis Shaw Clemson or UGA if your house was on it uh, if my house was on it I wouldn't be gambling the house man um, too early to tell though I, I don't have enough information to be gambling the house. Um, I would say Clemson as of now, but by slim, slim margin, much slimmer than what most people are out there telling you. Okay, uh, Brooks, do you think this is the year Georgia wins it all? 100% honesty. Um, will they win it? I don't know. Uh, again, th th an injury happens, and then there goes my take. Should they win it is the question you should be asking. Yes, 100%. Should they win it? 100%. Did Kirby tell Turnage to leave? Wasn't my story. Didn't break it. Re-reported that one. Don't know much about it. I did tell my Patreon people this morning what I exactly I did know. Um, but, the, guys, we're running up on scholarships. That's what I would imagine. Uh, if JT Daniels did go down, do you think Beck or Vandergriff could keep Georgia in contention? Yes, I do. I, I believe firmly in both Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff. And I know how the fan base works. I know how every fan base works. The new shiny five star is always the fan favorite, and I get that. But, guys, that Carson Beck dude is a damn good football player. A damn good football player. And, honestly, if something were to happen to Daniels, I think right now it has to be Beck that walks in there. It would probably be Stetson Bennett for the time being. But I think you roll with Carson Beck considering how the roster shakes up around him. What's going on with Justin Robinson? And do you think he breaks out this year? Um, Schleim, a member of our Patreon community as well, um, I just think he's injury-riddled right now. And, and that's okay. 
it's okay to an extent. The good news is they're not major injuries. It's a lot of nicks and bruises and scraps and scratches and scrapes. So you got to avoid those things, man. It's the oldest cliche in the history of cliches when it comes to football and, and, and what your coach will tell you. Your best ability is availability. If you're not available to play on Saturdays, no matter how good you are, no matter how talented you are, you're useless to me. I can't use you, which is the definition of useless. Okay, so if you're not available, that's a problem. All right, so is he going to stay healthy this year? That's the question. I would imagine he's going to. I would hope he's going to. Um, I, I think he's immensely talented, guys. This is a guy that um, physically, in terms of physical gifts, there is no one more gifted on that roster except for maybe a, a Rick Gilbert nowadays. Um, in terms of weapons and physical gifts, there's nobody better than what Justin Robinson has available. Uh, do you think Van Pran will be really good? Yes, I do, and here's why. That's one of the smartest young men I've evaluated on tape in a long time. A long time. And, and the center position, more than any other position offensively other than quarterback, is very much so a smarts and leadership position. He's got both of them in spades, in spades. And I'll recall you know, his first snaps as a college football player against Auburn, game two this year. And again, this is stuff you only find through the all 22 tape, which is why I think the service that I provide is invaluable. It's invaluable, A, because I think I'm really good at it. You could tell me whether or not you believe the same, but I think I'm really good at it. And B, nobody else does it. Nobody else does it. But I saw something on that all 22 tape that confirmed everything that I already knew about Cedric. He's breaking the huddle, and I'm not going to name who the kid was that was asking him questions, but there was a kid next to him because the freshmen were out there. Okay, They were running the score up on Auburn, so they trot the freshman out there to get a couple series. And freshman to his right, freshman to his left. As they're breaking the huddle, freshman to his right taps him and says kind of – I didn't obviously didn't know what he said, but you can kind of tell if you played offensive line before. Kind of did one of these, kind of did, hey, what are we doing? What do we got? Told him what they got going on. Left guard tapped him on the hip, did the same thing. Hey, what do we got going on? Cedric gave him his assignment. So not only does he know the center's assignment, he knows the left guard's assignment and the right guard assignment on any given play. That's a smart football player. That's a really, really smart football player. And to take into account, he's calling Mike IDs, identifying the defensive front in front of him, all that good stuff. So, yeah, super smart football player and super gifted. Super gifted football player. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to be really, really good. To me, he's the future of the center position for the University of Georgia. What's the likelihood that UGA has a top five offense? Pretty high. Pretty high. But there's a caveat here. Okay, I, I think personally, with the way that college football is played nowadays, you really got to pull the SEC out of these discussions. Okay, Because the Pac-12's got schools that are going to run that crap up. They're going to go 6-6 six and six and score 66. You know what I'm saying? They're going to lose games, but lose them in shootouts out there in the Pac-12. Same thing for the Big 12. So this uh, top five offense, you've got a caveat it in the sense that compare it to the SEC first, and then maybe you can take it on and extrapolate it to a full you know, national-based discussion. But even on a national level, I think they're going to score 36 to 37 points per game this year, honestly. They were pacing at, I think, 35 points per game in the last four games with JT Daniels at the helm. So there you go. Who leads the team in receiving yards this year, Kyrus or Burton? Yards, Burton, I think Kyrus might have more touches, okay? They do a lot of screen work through Kyrus. 
um, occasional shots here and there. But I think, like, for example, the deep shot against Auburn that he caught from uh, for like 45 yards, 50 yards from Stetson Bennett, that's not going to Karis Jackson this year, I don't believe. It's going to Arian Smith. Okay, so I think the emergence of Arian Smith has taken the big playability out of Kyrus. Where Kyrus is going to make his plays is bubble screens, 20 yards, easy, easy money, without even being touched, okay? Like the play he had against Cincinnati in the bowl game. Just throw him a quick bubble out there, throw him a tunnel screen, let him make a guy miss, let him be shifty with the ball in his hands, and take him for 50 yards. I think that's what you're going to see. The most important role for Kyrus Jackson this year is as a, as a punt returner, though, in my opinion. Let's see here. If anything, I'm higher. Y'all talking back. Y'all talking back. Uh, here we go. Who do you think ends up at left tackle? To start the season, to, again, two different discussions. To start the season, I think you get Jamari Sawyer. But give me one second, and let me look at this schedule because I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, when you come home and you play U, uh, UAB, when you come home and play UAB week two, and then – Say you got home against UAB, home against South Carolina, away against Vanderbilt, home against Arkansas, away against a rebuilding Auburn with a new head coach, uh, home against Kentucky, uh, your first real big game, right? So that's one, two, three, four, five, six ball games before you go to Jacksonville and play Florida. I think you start with Jamari Sawyer at Clemson because if you're going to have a first career start or first real career start, whether it be Xavier Truss, Amarius Mims or Broderick Jones, um, whoever it is, I don't want that first career start being against Clemson at left tackle. I cannot hide you at left tackle. I can hide Tate Rattledge at right guard. I can. I can schematically make sure that he is okay. And even if he's not, guess what? That's pressure coming right into the face of JT Daniels. Pause. It's right into his face. Whereas if the left tackle is getting beat like a drum, he ain't seeing that one. That one's going to come right on his back. Pause. Um, so, yeah, I, I would rather hide the right guard than try to hide the left tackle. For that reason, I would think Jamari Sawyer starts against Clemson. And then as the season progresses, I do think Amarius Mims is the starting left tackle. Amarius Mims just might go down as the best offensive tackle in the history of Georgia, and they've had some good ones. This dude is a bona fide, 100% bona fide. And that's not taken away from Broderick Jones. But you guys saw what I saw. It don't take no insider to look at G-Day and say, oh, that's interesting. With the twos, when the second group of offensive linemen went in there, Broderick Jones was playing right tackle and Amarius Mims was playing left tackle. Hmm. Right? It don't take a genius to see that, guys. Um, and, again, it don't take no inside intel to, to know what's going on there. So, there you go. I think by the end of the year, I really do think you see uh, Amarius Mims at left tackle. Uh, Chandler, you know, I think you know the deal. I think I've seen Chandler over there on the Patreon. I don't do this one in public forums. I don't do, um, you know, who's committing, who might get him, who might do it. He's recruiting him. I can tell you that right now. The offer right there on Twitter tells you. Uh, Star Beck, Luz Benegriff, there is a transfer portal. What five star is going to sit? Transfer portal's here, guys. You're going to lose – you know, players year in and year out. I think last I counted, Georgia had 15 guys this year in the 2021 cycle, right? So from the start of the 2021 season or 2020 season to now, had 15 guys in the portal. It's going to happen every year. One being a four-star quarterback, right? And Dewan Mathis. So there you go. How do you think Rian Davis and Tresman Marshall will turn out? Great football players. Smile Mondon, I think, is getting on the field before him. Real talk. 
You already got three linebackers that, that are going to play. You know Nicobe Dean's going to play. You know Quay Walker's going to play. You know Channing Tindall's going to play. I think Smile Mondon gets on the field before both of those guys. Just my hunch, if I'm going to be honest with you. Every once in a while, you get over-recruited, you know. Georgia is a very much so – and I, I compare – Georgia, what how Georgia should go about their business, just like their baseball program and any major division one baseball program. Here's the deal. In baseball, you have 13 scholarships for what 40 guys on the roster? You have 13 and a half, I believe it is. 13 and a half full like money, like dollar value worth of scholarships to allocate over your entire roster. Minimum scholarship being 25%. So here's how this works. You're on scholarship your freshman year. You're on less of a scholarship your sophomore year. Your junior year, you're on even less. And if you don't get drafted, if you come back for your fourth year, guess what? You're coming back for free. Unless you're a dog. I mean, like a dog. Unless you're an absolute animal, three-hole hitter, 350, 12 bombs, which honestly, you're probably gone anyways, right? Um, unless you're one of those guys, you're a walk-on. So what is that? Why, why, why do I equate that to what George is doing offensive or, you know, recruiting-wise? They recruit at such an elite level. If you're not on the field and playing by your junior year, I don't think I, I'm required to give you any type of playing time just because. Okay, so when a guy like Smile Mondon comes in and there's guys like Ryan Davis and Tresman Marshall that have been on the roster for that long, guys, I'm sorry. Like, it's business at that point. Tell them about the Chubb comparison, Brooks. Where did my guy get that hoodie? Um Oh, he's talking about uh, Jamie. I, I don't know where he got it. Uh, who is the team in sacks this year? Uh, Adam Anderson with nine and a half. Uh, sorry, SSL. Appreciate you for getting these. Do you see any trap games for Georgia this year? Guys, 2018, uh, LSU. 2017, the first game against Auburn. 2019, South Carolina. For the better part, 2020, I guess you could say Kentucky. They didn't really show up for that one. Um, Mississippi State almost snuck up on what I'm trying to tell you is if Kirby Smart's got anything on his resume that points to you know hey maybe this part of his game is slipping it's the consistent week in and week out getting your guys up to play which to be honest is almost an impossible task nowadays in college football because of the short attention spans of these kids and the fact that everybody's told them they're the greatest thing walking since they were you know knee high to a grasshopper so yeah, it's really, really hard to get up every single week. So, yeah, there's a strong possibility based off historical data that I just laid out for you that there's going to be a game where midway through the quarter or midway through the third quarter, you guys are sweating bullets and, and taking to the Twitter feeds or the Discord channel to act a goddamn fool. So, yeah, it, it's a very, very possibility. Uh, will Mike Leach upset an SEC team? Probably. Probably. We got a couple more here, guys. Unless you want to get in with a super sub, we will definitely – address it but we're already in an hour six here and i'm running behind uh if you had to pick today who would be the cornerback opposite of darren kendrick on september 4th who would it be and why I've, I've i've explained this take several times and stick you've heard me say it i appreciate the question my brother i'm sure i'll see you in the lounge here in about 15 minutes um y'all if you follow my work you know my stance on this history just like history shows you that you're gonna have a lay down game at some point this year um History shows you another thing about Kirby Smart. He favors the old guy. Prime example, okay, prime example. Georgia goes on the road this year to take on Alabama, right? Guess who didn't sniff the daggum field 
till midway through the second quarter. Didn't get a single rep. Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter, who, per my evaluation, was one of three of the best interior defense linemen Georgia had last year as a true freshman. He didn't get on the field till midway through the second quarter. Why? Because Kirby wanted to roll out Julian Rochester. Julian Rochester, great player. Been great for the University of Georgia. Not the caliber of football player Jalen Carter is, in my opinion. That's a prime example right there. Okay? Um, I had more for you. Oh, another one. Owen Condon. Owen Condon starts the season for the University of Georgia at right tackle. Took about all of a quarter for them to realize, oops, we messed that one up. Warren McClendon, get out there. And guess what happened? Freaking freshman All-American, right? All SEC freshman first team. So, yeah, history says Kirby favors the old guy. Why does that matter here? Amir Speed, the old guy. It's going to happen. I think so. And But it's not going to really matter because I think there's going to be a rotation um, at that at that spot uh, apart from Kendrick. So, there you go. Uh, does UGA have a 1,000-yard receiver this year? I believe so. Um, when George Pickens was healthy, I said they were going to have two of them. So, how about that? Uh, 40 touchdowns this year. Very, very plausible. They're going to play 15 games. So that's what, two and a quarter touchdowns per game? Possible. Uh, last question of the night. Can UGA's tight end get 10 touchdowns? If so, who does it? Um, are we classifying Avery Gilbert as a tight end? I don't believe so. 10 is a lot. 10 is a lot of touchdowns. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to take the under on that one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you for being here. Before you go, please hit that like button. I guarantee there's not 164 likes on this on this video right now. So please do that. Also, while you're in the supporting mood, Join us over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. With all the donations tonight, we've got three free subs, I believe. Maybe, no, four. I think four free subs. So hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on my email account. Do whatever. DMs are open. Find me. If money is tight, we will take care of you on that one. Get you initiated into the family, the best family uh, that there is in this Georgia space in terms of forums and in terms of inside intel and all that good stuff. I'm Brooks Austin, the film guy. The film guy. We'll see you next time.